Amen. Amen. <laughs> I'm laughing because we uh, threw a couple curveballs back to to Joe back there on the on the slides, and she handled it very well. Thank you, Joe. Well, yesterday we were um, enjoying one of the last days of spring in Audubon State Park. We have uh, 20 students who are uh, and staff who are going to the mountains in a week. Gosh, it's a little over a week. And uh, we'll be taking three different routes through the Smokies. We're covering the entirety of the Appalachian Trail through the Smoky period, uh, Smoky Mountain uh, area. And uh, it was so much fun to be in in uh, Audubon State Park at, at several times. You can barely see it uh, with this projector, but you can barely see it several times. We had uh, visions of pictures like that where where all around us was darkness, but there was this light coming from this one little path, right? And Jeremiah's words, God's words through Jeremiah came to me over and over again. This is the path. Walk in it, right? Now, I have to confess that my... Uh, personal um, tendency is to go tromping through the woods and to and to get poison ivy and to get all the problems that come from not staying on the path. But as we as we look at this season in the church's life, that's such a parallel, such a parallel to what we were experiencing in Audubon State Park yesterday. Now, as we were hiking, we had just a few of them who were doing a training hike on the way. Liam was there, and Liam and, and Jonah were our leaders. And they went on before uh, them. And, and, and Liam, how old are you? Liam's 12, right? And, and he had the helm. He was leading us through those woods. And now, I'm not sure that Liam had been on that hike before. I'm not sure that he had been there before. But the instructions that we gave him that were, if ever you get to a fork in the road and you don't know what to do, just wait there, right? Just wait there. And there must have been four or five times where where Jonah and Liam just did that to a T, right? We didn't give them maps yesterday. We just gave them those very simple instructions, and they did such a super job. It struck me as I thought about maps that nowadays with the with a GPS, have you noticed this? That that you just you just tell the GPS what you want, where you want to go, right? And and then you trust that it's taking you to no bad call, right? Now I say that, and 95% of the time, you know, you and the GPS are on the same thing. But you might say, you know, I want to go to um, Main Street, right? Well, there's like a thousand Main Streets, right? Have you ever done that? You're using the GPS, you're going, this doesn't seem quite right. And you realize that it's going to Main Street, Chicago, rather than Main Street, Evansville. The other thing that strikes me about uh, the technology in our modern culture is that is that um, we're losing our map-finding skills, right? And and that that's okay in a city that you're familiar with. It's not so okay in a city you're not familiar with, and it's really not okay if you're uh, in the woods and the Smoky Mountains and you don't know where you are, right? So, so somehow we have to um, we have to return to some of the very basic elements of finding direction, both physically, like we're talking about with GPSs and things, but also spiritually as well. <laughs> One of my uh, favorite people online is. 
Connie Gedeke, many of you know her. She just has an incredible sense of humor. And um, she posted uh, last week, this morning I accidentally changed the GPS voice to male. Now my GPS just says it's around here somewhere. Keep driving, right? <laughs> Goodness. And I have to confess, I actually speed up when I'm lost. I go faster, like somehow that's going to help the situation. But it begs a really important question, both physically for us, um, but especially spiritually. How do we find our way, right? How do we find our way? I want to suggest to you that our passages today highlight two life skills from the first century that are just as important today as they were then. We can look at Scripture. We can put ourselves where those disciples and sent ones were, right, and say, what did they do? Now they have the Holy Spirit with them, but they have the same questions. How do we find our way? And, and I want to suggest to you that there's two things, especially to just keep in the forefront of our minds today as we, as we step into this post-Pentecost world, as we step into this place where now the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And, and Sandy, your path is going to be very different than mine. Your path, Cheryl, is going to be different than mine. Each of us has to learn how to navigate with the Holy Spirit's help God's particular call on our life. Let me just say one up front, and it's one that we have affirmed here, but it might be new to you. Um, the first thing I want to note from our scriptures today is follow the map. Follow the map. Don't listen to all those voices, particularly the ones with British accents on your GPS, right? Don't follow all those voices that sound so appealing and sound so right. Some of you were together yesterday and you were, you were sharing together just this astounding place that we find ourselves right now where, I mean, slam dunks, things that haven't been understood for, from the very beginning until now are, are no longer understood. Very simple things are no longer understood. Now, imagine it's confusing for us as fully grown adults who know the Lord, right? Imagine what it's like for students. Uh, maybe in a school or some other location when 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 everything that they know is being scrambled. Well, well, beloved, we have a map, right? Our map, as it were, is the Word of God. Now, some of us may be saying right now, I've kind of lost some of my map, uh, my map reading skills, right? I've come to depend too heavily on that little voice in my in my GPS, or let me translate that, I've come to depend too heavily, too, too heavily on all those other voices around me, right? I know that that's not the way, but everybody else is going that way, right? I know that that's not God's will for my life. Where do you go? You go back to the map, right? When, when the disciples in that first post-Pentecost week, when they struggled to understand what God was doing, they looked at their map. Did you notice last week how many times Peter, in that spirit-inspired message to the people of Jerusalem, quoted Scripture, right? It was there. They had that map. They just had lost track of how to follow it, right? So, so the Word of God is here for us. To, to help us 
both understand his will for our life, but also to find our way. And again, I just want to remind you of the motion of the thing. If you've ever been lost, and I'm thinking now dangerously lost, if you've ever been in that situation where you could not find your way out, it's a frightening experience, and much of the world around us is living in it. They are living in it. Well, here's the reality, right? God is completely in control, so much so that he's already given us directions for how to walk. Follow the map. Follow the word of God. But sometimes, and I think especially of those who don't yet know the Lord, maybe don't have trust in the map, right? Uh, they, they don't know enough about Scripture to be able to draw direction from it. How, how will they find their way? Well, Acts, again, gives us exactly what we need. Follow a person who's been there before, right? In front of those 3,000 new believers, right, were 120 women and men from every segment of society, all the way up to Herod's court and down to the lowest of the lowly. Um, There were 120 of them who had been there before. Right. Look at what they're doing. And and I want to just challenge us in, in the 21st century to look at what they were doing in the first century. Right. Acts 2, 42, our memory verse for today says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to The prayers, right? Would you say that with me? Do you have it in front of you? Is it on the screen? Yeah. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Acts 2, 42. Well, let's look at what they did to maybe find help for our journey today. First of all, I just want to say they devoted themselves and, and, and maybe... I don't know what you think of when you hear the word devoted. For some reason, I'm taken back to the movie Grease every time, right? Hopelessly devoted to you. And, and that's a beautiful word, right? Yes, it really breath. Hopelessly devoted to you. But it implies, it implies an emotional content that, that betrays, I think, the true meaning. In other words, they, they pressed into, they, they diligently pursued something, right? When we devote ourselves to something, we recognize there's all kinds of other distractions, but we're going to be one heart, one mind. We're going to diligently pursue this path, right? They devoted themselves to what? Here it is again, to the apostles' teaching. Now, remember, most of them at that time were illiterate, and, and, and so they depended on somebody verbalizing, maybe verbalizing Scripture as they read the Torah, as they read the prophets, as they read the wisdom literature. But God is doing a new thing. He's creating the Word of God right before them, and He's giving that Word, like He did 400 years before, directly to the prophets. The the apostles were speaking the truth of God. You and I are blessed to be able to hear in so many ways the Word of God uh, but but don't lose sight of the fact that it is the very Word of God that, 
that you're devoting yourself to. Let me just ask you, press you just for a moment. How was it going in that, right? How is it going in that? I, I realize even as I'm speaking that uh, my map, because I'm so familiar with southern Indiana now, I, I, I don't need a physical map to get around. But my map right now uh, is really my calendar, right? Um, I, I have to look at that thing on a daily basis, almost on an hourly basis. And forgive me, those of you who I've betrayed and left standing somewhere because I didn't do that. Um, uh, I, I devote myself, right, to looking at that calendar so that I can be where I'm supposed to be when I'm supposed to be there. Translate that now again to the Word of God. Where I'm supposed to be, when I'm supposed to be there. God speaks through His Word. Do not miss that truth that we learned last week, that the role of the Spirit is not to tell you something new, right? The role of the Spirit is to remind you of the truths that Scripture has already uh, given you. It's to remind you of the words of Jesus. It's to remind you of the Word of God. But look also, and again, that's our map, right? We've, we've highlighted that already. But look again, what else they devoted themselves to? To the fellowship, right? To the fellowship. I was laughing on Tuesday with a with a um, guest that I, I preach three times on Tuesday mornings, the passage that I'm going to preach on Sunday. And, and I asked them, what is it that you think of when you think of fellowship, right? And what comes to mind? Church potlucks, right? Church potlucks. Now, we're going to get to that because it's critical. You're not wrong, right? But this is not, this is not what the word means. The word is talking about something much deeper. How do I describe it? Um, when you become a follower of Jesus, the Spirit lives in you, right? But not just you. Anyone else who has trusted their life to Jesus Christ now has the Spirit within them, right? And so when two people who have the Spirit in them meet, right? They, there's a physical interaction. They see each other, but there's something else that goes on there. there. There's a spiritual interaction as well. Now, the devil disguises himself as an angel of light, and sometimes we get confused. People have figured out how to manipulate you, follower of Jesus. But um, if, you're, if you are discerning by the power of the Spirit, when you encounter someone, your spirits meet, and there is a spiritual fellowship. That happens. That's not. It's not automatic, right? It doesn't just happen by showing up, right? Um, there, somewhere along the line, you had to make that commitment to love and to follow Jesus. But when you do, you discover you are not alone. That people meet together not only in body, right, but also in spirit. Now, you can meet physically together for six decades and never meet in spirit, right? Or you can be together for six minutes with another person and have spiritual fellowship that brings life and hope, right? How does it happen? You walk in the spirit. You walk in the spirit. 
Paul said in Galatians 5.25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let's walk by the Spirit's direction, reminding us of the truths of Scripture, speaking to us, this is the path. Walk in it, right? They devoted themselves to the map, to the apostles' teaching, to the Word of God. But they also devoted themselves to the fellowship. I'm smiling again just because the unique thing about Vacation Bible School is that uh, rather than just meeting once a week, you meet every night for, for five nights, right? And you draw very close to the people that you're walking beside, the people that you're, you're eating sloppy joes with, right? You draw very close together with them. Let's devote ourselves to the fellowship as well. But then there's this, this phrase, and, and, uh, and it's, it's beautifully mysterious, right? They broke bread together, right? Now, what are they talking about? I've seen people that just jumped immediately to, the, to a, a, a true dimension, the spiritual dimension of it. But don't miss the fact that a lot of it was just sucking on spaghetti noodles, right, together, right? It's just something that happens when you're, when you're sucking on a spaghetti noodle, and that noodle comes up and hits you in the face, right, and leaves a little red mark. And your beloved friends think, I just think I'll let him go through his day with that red stripe across his forehead, right? There's, there's something that happens when we break bread together. And by the way, let's be honest. That's a struggle in our culture right now, right? To, to sit at table together. I, I realized that last night. I was just Karen and I, and, and, and we, um, we, we sat down together. We at the dinner table, this big old long dinner table. We're used to having twelve people out, right? And just the two of us, and just shared in that meal together. And I realized how many times do we sacrifice that for the calendar, for some other opportunity? Um, so there's this beautiful aspect of breaking bread. And I just invite you. Some of you did that yesterday. You broke bread together at noon together with some of the other people in the fellowship. Um, um, it means that. Let's sit at table together. Let's use that as a time of discipleship. But for the early disciples, they would break bread together. But at the end of that meal, in their homes, right, they would also remember Jesus. Um, Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians 11, as often as you do this, they did it very often. They broke bread, and then at the end of that meal, they remembered Jesus. Bread or dinner for them oftentimes included bread and wine, and they remembered Jesus. Do you remember Clopas and the other disciple who walked with Jesus on the road to Emmaus, right? And, and they knew something was going on. God was doing something. There's a stranger that walked among us. And then as they broke bread together, they recognized who it was. And so um, there is, they devoted themselves to breaking bread together. Do not underestimate the power of opening your home or of going to Truman and Maddie's favorite corner of the world, Honeymoon Cafe, and, and sharing something together there, right? But they also devoted themselves to prayer. And my great fear, and Chris and I were talking about this worship service, my great fear is that I'll sound like a broken record to you, that, that in, in saying something so important, again, you say, oh, I know, I know, prayer is important, right? 
But are you being transformed by it? Are you, are you uh, entering into the presence of the living God in such a way that it changes you? That's what they devoted themselves to. They devoted themselves to speaking with God. Certainly they spoke about the things that were important to them, the concerns on their minds, and there are many on our minds this morning. They also listened about the concerns of God, right? Remember our questions when you're, when you're prayer walking? Do you remember our questions? God, what do you see as you walk my neighborhood? What do you see? God, as I walk through my Facebook page and see my loved ones. What do you see, God? God, what are you doing? What are you doing right now in these people's lives? God, how can I join you in what you're doing? As we as we pray together, as we as we devote ourselves to prayer, God reveals his purposes. And sometimes when we pray together, God speaks powerfully into our lives. I don't want to miss what we started our worship service with today. They also praised God, right? They didn't just think about the things that God had done for them. They thought about the God who was behind those things. They thought about the nature and character of a God who would love them and lead them like God was doing. And they devoted themselves to praise. By the way, you might have noticed in Acts chapter 2 that there's two geographic locations for, for all these things that they devoted themselves to. One was the temple, right? One was the temple. They gathered together. And if 3,000 people are suddenly going to be added to your fellowship, it has to be a pretty large area. They spilled out onto the southern steps. They spilled into Solomon's portico. There's Christians everywhere. And they met together daily. Daily. Again, a blessing of Vacation Bible School is that we met together daily. Right? Uh, with glad hearts, right, rejoicing in what God was doing. But the other location, so I'm so grateful that you make your way. Many of you are at great sacrifices to be here together because there's just something, some incendiary fellowship that happens when spirit-led people get together. There's just something awesome that happens. But they also then, the other location was their homes, right, was their homes, I, I can feel what some of you are thinking right now. Fat chance I'm going to let anybody into my home. We're having a celebration for Karen's birthday. She's not in here, so I can say that boldly um, tonight, right? And, and you know what my thought is? I'm going to have a busy afternoon getting ready, getting the home ready for that celebration, right? Because Truman's going to be there. And I want to... I wanna, have a good impression for my future son-in-law, right? And so, um, and so, I want to I want to clean up the house. Right? I have a sister who cleans the house before the maid comes to clean the house, right? Because she doesn't want the maid to be to think, oh man, this person's a slob, right? Um, and then I remember the Johnsons. I remember Doug and Kim, and Katie especially, and, and they, we invited them to our house. Uh, and children will say, how did Art Linkletter put it? Will say the darndest things, right? And 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 Katie came to our house, 
And she said, look, mommy, they're messy like we are. Right? They're messy like we are. Um, oh, we've got to get over that, you guys. People don't care what your home looks like. In fact, it might be disarming, right, if your home's like their home, right? They do care that somebody loves them enough to invite them to their home. So, so don't miss the geography of this. They, they did gather together. We're so grateful that you gather together here, but don't let it end here. And don't let it end just with the people who already know the Lord. You know, think about those people in your life, in your neighborhood, in your workplace who don't yet know Jesus and, 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 and draw them together, right? Invite them into your life. So, so we can look back now 20 centuries, two millennia, and find out that, that God's inviting us to do the same thing they were doing then. And all the obstacles that we faced, they had in their day, just in different form, right? And, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread together, and to prayer. But look here at the results, right? Look at what happened. Acts 2, 46 and 47. Day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I know you just heard those things, but they went by really fast. What did they say? Their sincere hearts were gladdened. What is the plague that, that affects our culture right now? It's, it's depression, right? It's stress that leads to that, that feeling that, you, that you're unable to accomplish anything. Um, their sincere hearts were gladdened, right? The results of following this little roadmap of, of, of going where others have gone before was that their sincere hearts were gladdened. Henry, I know you're watching um, my little buddy in, in, in Henderson uh, texted me last night, and he said I was feeling really low. I was feeling really low. And so um, I just uh, opened up again the message from last week. And just seeing the people, hearing the word, my heart was gladdened. Right? My heart was gladdened. Oh, my goodness, you guys. Their hearts, your heart, can be gladdened. But notice this also, that... And, and I know I'm camping on, on a three-letter word. But they enjoyed favor with all people. With all people. Now, does that mean that everyone received them well? No. Some people were jealous and persecuted them, right? But, but God gave them favor. And even sometimes. In fact, I would say sometimes the people that are most resistant to you are the people who are closest to the kingdom of God. I can think of a pretty sterling example in God's 12th apostle, right? The guy that was killing Christians was closest to the kingdom of God, right? Boy, I hope you don't misunderstand that statement. That's not a prescriptive statement. I'm just saying that the apostle Paul was zealous to quench the movement of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit got him. The Holy Spirit got him. Oh, my goodness, right? So, so um, 
I just want to encourage you that God is going to is going to provide for you. And even the people that are resistant to you, it's often because they're most vulnerable. They're putting up wall after wall because it's overwhelming the love of Christ. When the spirit is in you, it's overwhelming to be approached by such love, by such love. Their sincere hearts were glad and they enjoyed the favor of all people. And the Lord added to them daily those who were being saved, right? God was constantly delivering people from the bondages of sin, right? And I don't know about you, but but there's not too many places that are more exciting to be than this place where someone is set free from their chains, where someone discovers the love of Jesus and lives into it, right? God was adding to them daily those who were being saved. By the way, go back in that passage if you had a chance and just look at all the dailies. Look at all the dailies. Oh, my goodness. God honors those who live the Christ life daily. God honors those who walk in the Spirit daily, right? But now I apologize for the incorrect uh, chapter on that. Now in Acts chapter 4, we see a couple more things as well. They were of one heart and soul. God Gave unity to them, right? He unified them around the will of Christ. One of our struggles in our in our country right now is there's not one clear proclamation uh, of what should be, right? People, because they won't turn to God, people have thousands of different directions that they're pulling, and oftentimes even believers get get caught up in that and get pulled. I, I, we find ourselves saying things that that we never would have said before. We find ourselves doing things we never would have said before. Why? Because we've lost our vision. We've lost our unity around the purpose and will of Christ. But they, in this spirit-led fellowship, uh, were experiencing one heart and soul and were unified as a result. And God gave them power. Dunamis, dynamite, right? God gave them dynamic power, and he gave them dynamic grace. Grace, right? And what was the result? Come on up, worship team, if you would. What was the result of all this? There was not a need found among them. There was not a need found among them. As I um, sat in our gym and and watched some of the families from our neighborhood uh, come in, we had it was so awesome to see extended families of our own congregation, children and grandchildren of our own congregation. It's such a, a blessing, right? Uh, but I found myself a little bit overwhelmed. Oh my goodness! Every person I look at, I I see the situation that they find themselves in and and what they're going through right this moment. And and, and I honestly get overwhelmed. I get overwhelmed. And and rightly so, right? Because I can't do anything about that. I can't solve those, those issues for them. But I know one who can, right? And and as we look back to that first century, the promise of God. 
is that if we will devote ourselves to his word, if we'll devote ourselves to one another, now talking about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, if we'll devote ourselves to, to breaking bread together, both sacramentally, but also, but also just in regular meals, if we'll devote ourselves to listening, speaking the word of God, then, then there will not be a need found among us. And beloved, beloved, that's pretty winsome, isn't it? That's pretty winsome. See, each of us knows our own darkness. But we have Christ. And even if that light is just a little flicker right now, you know, it is enough. It is enough. The light of Christ is enough. But around us are people who are still living in darkness. And and they're hearing they're hearing all the trash talking that the world is doing, right? The wiles of the evil one are well known. His technique is accusation and lies, right? His technique is the question, did God really say that, right? His desire is that they would remain in darkness. But one woman, right? One man who will devote themselves to walking in the Spirit. 